Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I knew deep down there was that soulmate, like, oh my God, yes, partnership love. I didn't know how it felt like because I hadn't gotten to that depth and that vulnerability with myself. I know that I really intentionally created my relationship because I had been through so much of what I didn't want that it finally smacked me upside the head. Welcome back to Open Late, a Soul Fire production. I am Jessica Espandiari, and today I have one of my, oh, what do I even call you? Marie Louise Affaro is a dear friend, one of my best friends in LA. You guys probably heard her on episode two, where we dove into all kinds of things about sex parties and the aftermath of the accidental threesome that Posh and I had. And I brought her back because it's her birthday. So happy to be here. And you surprised me with champagne and cake. I did. I did. We're going to be drinking a little uh, rosé on the show today. So if you're just listening, maybe you want to check this one out on YouTube because we've got a little Moet and Chandon. We also have a Cakes by Alexis. Who's our favorite. Yes. Are you ready for this? I just want to do a little reveal. Oh, says thank you. Oh, we have a candle in here. And oh, my God. What a surprise. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, bitch. I love it. And purple's my favorite color. I know. I know. I'm so That's excited. so funny. It's so nice. I want to show you guys this. It's so pretty. She always does such a good job oh with the design. Oh, my God. If you need a cake in LA, there's only one place to go. Cakes. Only one place and to go. And brownie slabs. And... This is fully vegan. Yes. Hmm. Should we pop the champagne? Let's pop the bottle. I think it should also be said that both Jess and I are bona fide lightweights. So even <laughs> yeah. though this is a short episode, we will definitely be drunk by the end of the episode. Absolutely. Even with one glass. One glass, and I'll be pretty tipsy. Yeah. So yeah. we're gonna talk about everything. <laughs> and then we might actually light this candle too. Let's pop this in here. Perfect. Oh my God. Okay. Um Shall I do the honors? Please do. Okay. Point it very far away from me. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You're funny about popping. Yeah. Okay. Popping balloons, popping bottles. Mm. Yeah. I have a bit of a fear. Well, you know, I used to work in nightclubs. Yeah. So and, you know how to pop bottles. Oh, yeah. I worked in Vegas for years. Pool parties, Encore Beach Club. Champagne was my living. <laughs> did you? Did you ever? Did that ever go in someone's eye? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. You're do good. you want me to make a sound or no sound? Oh, you can do that? Mm-hmm. No, it's your birthday, bitch. I'm making noise. Okay, I'm making noise. Oh, oh my 
Okay. Thank so you. this is my first episode with alcohol. We'll see how it goes. Probably not the last. <laughs> or maybe it will be. Maybe it'll be so terrible that we have to stop. <laughs> maybe we can't even air this because we get so drunk. We'll see. Um, well, thank you so much. I feel welcome. very spoiled. I'm glad you do. I, I one of the things spoiled. that happens when I drink is I get super lovey-dovey. Oh. And I think we really want to talk about love on this show. We do. So this is perfect. This is the love episode. Cheers. Cheers. Happy birthday, my Thank Aquarius you. sister. Thank you so much. Mm. This can be celebrating the start of the Aquarius season. Yes. So as you're mm-hmm. Aquarian too. It's the age of Aquarius. Okay. We got to dive right in. Yeah. So not only are we going to be drinking together today, But we recently became business partners. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. I'm so excited. I know. I think our shared kind of love for love and our shared, um, I think our shared journey, we had very similar journeys leading up Mm -hmm. to finding love was what started us to on the path of creating the love code. Yes, the love code. And it is live and launched, you guys. Um, So many people, I think, that listen to this podcast, uh, if you've listened to your first episode, you know Marie Louisa is a coach. And I was a coach for a long time as well. And stepping into working with more people on their relationships has completely lit my fire. Because as we find, that's where most people need work. That's where all of our trauma comes up. That's where all of our childhood stuff comes out to play. It's in our relationship with others and usually our intimate relationships. 100, 100%. And it's definitely something that I found extremely interesting and that I've gone really deep with a lot of my clients with. And I found that that was one of the biggest places that they grew was Mm -hmm suddenly all my clients started finding their soulmate. And I was like, what? What's happening here? Mm -hmm. Like it just seemed like a very strong trend for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, when you do that work on yourself and you get to a place where you're clear, you're a clear channel and you're vibrating so much higher, that's when the match really does come in. And I think that's what people are really needing to understand is that it's not from a place of chasing. It's a place exactly, as you said, from naturally attracting. I know, so I found my soulmate, um, seven months ago and, um, I, I found it because of years and years and years and years and years of, of work for sure. But one thing that I definitely found was going on the dating apps this time around the, the last time I went on dating apps was maybe four, four or five years ago, going on the dating apps this time around, I, made sure I was very conscious with it. I made sure that I was coming from a place of joy and excitement Mm. and not lack and loneliness. Every time I felt lonely, I stayed very far from the app. So I was like, okay, cool. How can I comfort myself? How can I fill up my own cup? You know, not not trying to get it from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful because it's true. You will literally attract that which you are being. That's how everything works. I mean, we're all energy. Yeah. We're all just this one thing and like attracts like. So I I want to just back up for a moment because this, the love code is such a beautiful sort of launching off point for this episode. And I know we have so much to cover. Um, we created this container because I think 
both being coaches, working with people on different things, manifestation, you know, the embodied babe. And I work with people in the spiritual sort of path who want to deepen their sense of self and really know their divinity. And so many people are searching for their mate and they want to do it in an intentional way. And I didn't see anything out there that really would guide people to do that. No, there's nothing out there that I've seen anyway that is intentionally for that highly um, successful, achieving single woman in her early to late 30s, 40s. We're very kind of free with our aging, but we haven't seen anything that's very tailored to that person who, yes, may have started or is doing personal development work that keeps hitting that wall mm -hmm. that we both had, were hitting for yeah. a very long time. That keeps <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the walls that we were hitting. <laughs> the walls and the blockages. God, God, yeah, how I've overcome them. Anyway, those walls and those blockages when it comes to dating, it comes to romantic relationships. And I think there's, you know, there's tons of stuff around like business, there's, you know, tons of stuff around confidence, whatever, but there's not a ton of stuff around this. And I think both you and I, through our collective years of experience, have that secret source and we kind of really know what it takes to call in that soulmate love that mm -hmm. so many women are yearning for. Yeah. I know that I <laughs> really intentionally created my relationship with Pasha or called it in because I had been through so much of what I didn't want that it finally smacked me upside the head. Yeah. Like that's where I was actually when I met Pasha. I actually wasn't even looking for a partner. This is like an interesting story. And some people have heard this story before, but I'm just going to, I'm going to go there. Go if there. you haven't heard the story <laughs> of Pasha and I meeting, it came after me being a serial monogamist who was dating essentially whatever guy wanted to date me, they would become my next like long-term, you know, monogamous relationship that was on the relationship escalator of like, okay, is this one, you know, going to be good enough to marry? Am I fitting into their life? Are they fitting into mine? Okay, good. You know, or if I'm not fitting into their life, let me do that. Let me figure out who I need to be in order to make this relationship work and not from a place of like beautiful collaboration. It was always compromised. I dated, um, <laughs> my my high school into college boyfriend who is awesome and we're great friends. Um, I very much was on the marriage train with that. That's where I thought it was going. I was so young. And then I met my next boyfriend who was artsy. And so I leaned into being artsy and we did the artsy thing together. And then the guy that I met when I moved to Vegas was into food and wine and micro-brewing beer. And I found myself micro-brewing beer in my no. kitchen. For the, do I look like a brewer to you? Do I look like a brewer? No. In my 20s, too. In my mid-20s, in, you know, this prime where I'm supposed to be living my life and, and not really, um, I think in a place where you're seriously considering everyone else around you. I think your 20s are supposed to be so selfish looking back. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't that. I gave myself up and I sold out on myself. And I essentially tried to fit myself into all of these guys' lives so that I could like be the one that they needed me to be. Yeah. Um, which, you know, hearing this now and if you've ever coached with me, you know, is a very serious self-worth conversation. And finally, after the last guy, 
when I found out that he had been cheating on me with multiple women for a very long time, I was sort of like, oh my God, I need to take these blinders off. Mm. Like I wasn't even mad at him. I was Mm -hmm. mad at myself. Mm -hmm. I was furious that I just let myself get to a place where I was so unhappy in that relationship and I wouldn't even admit it to myself because I'm like, no, he's great. His family's like, his mom loves me and like, she's really great and we get along and we're going to make this work even though we were roommates. I mean, we were practically roommates just Mm -hmm. living in the same home. And so after that, I just decided, okay, I am never going to do this again and I need to spend time alone. I need to get to know myself. I need to know who I am what I like, you know, the things that I want to live for, not living for somebody else. I was like runaway bride. Like, how do you like your eggs? Have you ever yeah, seen that yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. Like, Great I was film. like, Great whoever is wants to date me, I want to date them. Great. Cool. You yeah. choose me. Awesome. I choose you too. Um, but certainly not from an empowered place, yeah. not from a conscious place. And then by default, you were attracting those types of people as well. Like, mm-hmm. like the, someone who you know, someone who is perhaps cheating or unfaithful or whatever, um, acting out of integrity in the relationship because they don't know what they want either. No. And they're kind of just going along for the ride and they don't know how mm-hmm. to use communication as a tool, you know, for expressing what they want or yeah. anything like that. So it makes sense that those were the types that you were kind of, um, mm-hmm. that you were attracting. Absolutely. That's so, I've, I've actually never thought about it like that. I think about it now, but I'm like, in hindsight, yes, that makes so much sense. And that's how you were able to start doing the work as well was when you took those blinders off. That's the other real thing is that once we stop blaming other people and again, you know, we like a bunch of us have been cheated on, I've been cheated mm-hmm. on. It's not to say that they haven't done anything wrong. Like, we're not saying that. It's more just like, you can't change that person. You couldn't change that person. I couldn't change my ex-husband. There's nothing that we can do to change that person. What we can only change is ourselves. Absolutely. So there's actually, it's a bit of a waste of time to sit there and start blaming and blaming and blaming them instead of being like, well, hang on. Mm-hmm. Why did I stay in this situation? Why did I track this situation? What's at the core here? Again, not even blaming yourself. Just bringing that into awareness. Yeah, having awareness of like, what's my responsibility? What's my role in all of this? It's not like, oh, woe is me. I'm the worst. Like I did this. It's like a very empowered thing to say, what's my role here? Yeah. And how, because if you realize how you got there, you can change your situation. Exactly. I mean. Empowerment to change. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Cheers. Should we have a bite of cake? Yes. Already almost finished my first glass. Here we go. And we all pull your warm. Okay. I was oh, thinking too. Oh, things. you do. Yeah. That's right. I brought two. I was thinking that there's something to be said about really hitting rock bottom. Oh, God. Because I felt like I was there with this ex that I'm speaking about. I got to a place where, you know, I had bought a house with this person, you know, really building my life with them. And to find out, you know, that they were leading such a double life was, I mean, just devastation, you know, yep. you know, cause you've, you've kind of been there and yeah, our stories re- are very similar in that, in that yeah. little part. I mean, I remember thinking like, Oh, I have to live alone. Like, you know, I kicked him out and I was alone for a couple of months for the first time. Actually, I, I was alone for my first year of college. I lived in a studio apartment by myself, which meant I slept about six nights a week in my girlfriend's dorm room, like on the floor in between two of my best friends from high school. But I did have my own place. And 
to have to go back to that was so scary at that time. Mm. And now I think back and I'm like, oh, just girl, you should have like loved that and lived it up because living alone is it's kind of nice. Yeah. But to to go back to what I wanted to just point out is when people are at rock bottom and they're, you know, they can't see it in the moment, but I'm always like secretly celebrating that for people yeah. because that is the time when you will actually make a change. And it's usually not until it hurts so bad that you can't take it anymore yeah. in your life that you're willing to make a change because sort of a low level of discomfort can yeah. go on for eons. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about low level discomfort. That's actually what got me, that new level rock bottom is what got me into personal development. I was 20 four mm-hmm. and I was my I needed to see a therapist obviously before I saw a coach but my rock bottom was so low I would turn up for work and just stare at my computer screen not even be able to work my anxiety was so high about mm. just I don't even know what about it was like this general state of like wow and it was definitely it was like love related it was mm-hmm. relationship related I just felt like I wasn't good enough constantly in every way shape or form this was you know, years and years and years ago, like almost 10 years ago. Mm. And then I, you know, sort of, I, I read, actually, no, before I even sought a therapist, because I was back in the UK at the time and you had to be on a waiting list to see a therapist. And before I even got to a therapist, I, I read The Power of Now by mm. Eckhart Tolle. And I was just like, it like blew me away. I was like, oh my God, like, oh. And it was just like, that was the beginning of the beginning of the end. And mm-hmm. I actually had a really good friend at the time who was like a mirror to me. And it was funnily enough the person I had just finished dating, he literally became a mirror and was like, you're not okay. Mm. And everyone else had just kind of accepted me in this like state that I was of this like anxious, like state. Everyone had kind of accepted that that's who I am, even though that's not who I am. And, you know, and I was definitely, definitely pushing away friends Mm -hmm. and pushing away everyone. And this person who I'd been romantically involved in and and I was highly anxious. He was clinically depressed, Mm. but had been in therapy since he was like 10 and he literally held up a mirror and was like you're not okay and I was like what do you mean of course I'm okay and then he was like no you're not you need help and it was the first time that I realized oh I'm not okay and it's okay to not be okay Mm. and that's how it kind of yeah started with my my personal development journey so and it was definitely (laughs) I will never forget that rock bottom moment that was that was a good rock bottom moment for then prepared me for what happened when I was 30 and a half (laughs) Okay, let's take a deep breath because we're going to launch into that story now. But cheers to us in our 20s and yes. all of the learnings. Mm. So many learnings. I agree. Your 20s is definitely for being self. Your, your 20s is self-discovery, purely, purely self-discovery. Your 30s is like, okay, cool. Like getting to know what you want and then implementing that, mm-hmm. you know, and it takes time. Yes. It takes a whole decade. Wow. I love, I love being in my thirties, by the way. It's like the best. So much better than your twenties. It really is. I mean, when you're in your twenties though, they seem amazing. So if you're there, like just know that if you're just going out with your girlfriends five nights a week, you're doing, you're doing the most you're doing. That's what you need. It's just the the differences is twenties are like this big Mm -hmm. ups and downs and thirties is like, you're kind of, you're also building your foundation. You're building your foundation. Mm -hmm. And it's very much like the one thing I do love I remember get I remember you know me I'm quite sassy mm. no <laughs> what? I was like I better get her a brownie slab and she's gonna be like you didn't get me anything I'm just kidding but um all my life people have always said that like oh you're you know you're so confident and I really admire that you don't care what people think or mm. whatever and so I've always kind of thought about my that about myself too and then 
yeah, I hit like my thirties and I'm like, oh, now I actually don't care about what people think. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's your twenties. You still kind of care. Like, even if you don't, you still do. In your thirties yeah. are like, oh, you don't like me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. I mean, doing the show has been a huge sort of step into that for me as well, because I did grow up with a lot of like trying to be the good girl and people pleaser. I mean, who like who didn't really? Yeah. If you're listening to this and you didn't, please reach out to me. I want to hear your ways. Um, but I think, yeah, I just <laughs> realized the other day, if I'm talking about my sex life on the internet and people can just watch it and listen to it whenever they want, wow, I really stepped into a place of owning who I am and really not giving a fuck. Like, Oh my God, you absolutely did. Yeah. Because it, it it was shaky for the first month of this show being out. It was like, did I make the right choice? And now I just feel so happy. It's such a weight lifted off my shoulders. And the amount of people that just reach out and, and reflect back, like I needed to be listening to this kind of content. I've been sort of in the closet myself about these things. It's just, it makes it so worth it. So that's another thing. Like I always want to reiterate, if you're listening and you are sort of afraid to just own who you are and be yourself, there are people out there who are looking for models, who are looking for someone just like you to inspire them, mm-hmm. to like be who they are, like the younger version of yourself. By the way, this is so good. Oh God, this so, is delicious. It's so tasty. Oh my God. And I'm also already really tipsy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. This is exactly how I wanted this to go. Yeah. How did you meet your soulmate? And what had to happen for that to happen? Yeah, that's more of the interesting question. Because we know you always have to go through a battle. <laughs> oh, yeah. To like- oh, yeah. I mean, you know what I do think is quite cute, though, mm-hmm. are the people who meet when they're like 15, 16, high school sweethearts mm-hmm. and then stay with that person. Yeah. Obviously, it's extremely rare. But I'm like, there's also still that part of me that's like, how? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? Well, I meet so many of those couples who are also now open. Interesting. What? Yeah. So they were high school sweethearts, and then that's why they're open because they have this thing of like, oh, what if I'm what? Like, what else could I be missing out on? I've only of like, course they've been person. having sex with the same person for longer than they've been alive, or or not longer than long. No, wait, that didn't make sense. Someone else is also drunk. <laughs> <laughs> they've been having sex with the same person for longer than how old they were when they met no, that yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what I meant to say, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so um, <laughs> now I don't see what's the question. Oh, how I got to be where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh gosh, back back in my twenties, my twenties, I was I was of the mind that like relationships are kind of there to just like have fun or like be there for like something. That was only what my mind was saying, not my heart. But it was definitely around. Um, <laughs> fun. Uh, what could, what can they do for me? I always mm. had that mindset of like, well, what, what's this going to do for me? Like, mm-hmm. you know, h- how is this, how is this going to be a viable situation? Like, why would I get in a relationship? I was very detached. My, actually my, my, um, relationship detachment is 100% avoidant. Mm-hmm. That is, <laughs> that is how I show up when I'm in my, um, when I'm in my kind of, I guess my trigger focus or mm-hmm. whatever, like, you know, I, I, everyone consistently works towards a secure attachment. And I can honestly say that now my attachment is 80 to 90% secure. There's mm. still that nice 10 to 20% that becomes avoidant. Nice. When there's any issues, my, my right. tendency is to completely avoid. Mm-hmm. 
not avoid talking about it. I'm very happy to talk about it, but then I just get very closed off. So that's how I was. Yeah. I'll talk about it, but I don't need you. Yeah. For anything. No, you either. can leave now. Mm-hmm. You can leave now and I'll be absolutely fine because all I need is myself and my friends. And I was, I was just going to ask though, were, so you were seeking connection and, and, and building connection with girlfriends and just like oh, your friendships were everything. So this is the thing that's fucked up mm. is that with women, open hearted, extremely mm-hmm. vulnerable, I can cry. I can receive them crying. Yeah. We can be this big sisterhood bond. And I think I... Honestly, without like getting too Freudian, I think my mom is very emotionally available and can have times where she's very vulnerable. So I'm I'm open to that with women. Mm. And then my dad is the exact opposite, very emotionally unavailable, very closed off about his emotions. His only emotion that he really expressed at home was like humor, joy, anxiety, anger. Mm. <laughs> you know, there was mm-hmm. nothing like nothing like authentic in that emotional expression. And so because of that, like when, you know. I was not able to be very vulnerable with men at all. Mm. I would always have a wall up the whole time. You know, if a man got emotionally vulnerable with me, I'd be revolted. Yeah. I would literally be like, what's wrong with you? Who is this weakling? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who is this weakling? No, exactly. I just love doing your voice. Yeah, you. no, but you're so correct. I'd be like, oh, there's something wrong with them. They're weak. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. awful, but that's how I felt. And so because of that, but then- you know, after I did plenty of work on myself, like I said, you know, in my early twenties when I had that issue. And then I called in someone, hadn't done enough work though. I'd only scratched the surface of the work. It was three years after I started my self-development journey or my like therapy journey or whatever. I called in someone who, another thing I should say is previous to that, my relationships were, um, like, pretty uh mean and abusive in like a very emotional sense like Mm. not great Mm -hmm. at all not great people at all and then after that I called in someone who was not abusive at all very calm very docile very like it was very agree I will call it an agreeable relationship Mm. he was completely emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. also an avoidant attachment style but we coasted together. We had a great time coasting together. The first year was a lot of fun because he lived in Los Angeles and mm. I lived in London. Mm-hmm. So we only saw each other two a month, two every two once every two months. Okay, which is fantastic for two avoidance. Yeah, <laughs> like this like, is great. I was like, this is absolutely fine because every time I saw him as well, it was an adventure. It was in London. It was in LA. It was in Saint Tropez. It was in New York. Mm-hmm. It was whatever. So I was like, this is fantastic for the first year. The second year was kind of all right. And the third year is when the issue started because he very clearly expressed to me, I don't know if I'm ready for a relationship. Then my anxious attachment came in and I was like, okay, uh, well, in my head, I was like, well, I can't lose him because then that means I am a failure mm-hmm. type narrative. And I was like, that's fine. Like, just figure it out, whatever you need. And then like, if, you know, you, I was quite secure at that point. I was like, if you just let me know when I should have been, okay, well, you've told me you don't think you're ready. I know my worth enough. I want someone who's ready. Yeah. So bye. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. So bye. But instead I said, I'm ready. If you're not ready, like. I'll wait for you. I'll mm-hmm. wait for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that was the problem. And then we still went ahead with me moving here. We even got married. We did the whole Elvis wedding in Vegas. <gasps> What? Yeah, we got How married. do I not know this? I know. There's so much about our past we don't know. But it's so funny because you've got a lot of a past in Vegas. I have mm-hmm. a past in Vegas. So I did the whole Elvis wedding in Vegas, everything. The whole time I knew. I was like, mm. this is not 
what is what am I doing? Your intuition. But yeah, exactly. But my logic brain was like, well, I need to get married because that's the only way I can stay here with Adam in the United States. Da, da, da. And I mm-hmm. remember, so this is crazy. I had a journal and I wrote in that journal, I'm not sure about Adam, mm-hmm. but I am sure I'm supposed to be in Los Angeles. Mm. And and that and that was just purely my intuition. But of course, I'm not sure about him. He wasn't sure about me. So mm. anyway, but I went along for the ride. Like I was, I was receiving all the little bread crumb, crumbs of attention mm-hmm. he would give me. You know, when I deserve a fucking cake, mm-hmm. he showed me that today. Yeah, but I was, I was accepting all those bread crumbs. And then um, the pandemic happened, so we just ended up staying. Whatever. I was, yeah. It just again coasting. Very agreeable. No passion. Like nothing. Like. Nothing that made me feel like, yes, I want to be with this person. Just we, we exactly how you said I've resonated so much. We were roommates. Mm. We were very agreeable roommates. We liked the same shows. We could have fun together. Very good friends. Yeah. And that's okay for some people. It's absolutely fine for some people. But I mean, <laughs> with a I'm, lack of intimacy. I'm, I'm saying that in a, in a like in a facetious way. Yeah. There's a lot of people who think that that is you know, and maybe if that's the relationship style you want, great. But if you're being honest with yourself, you want more. Of course you want want passion. And I knew I deserved more. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like every day I was waking up fighting against my intuition because I didn't know. I didn't have like, I didn't understand. I didn't know what like, like I knew that there was, I knew deep down there was that soulmate, like, oh my God, yes, partnership love. Mm. But as I hadn't directly seen it. Right. So frequently. From anybody no. around. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how it felt like. I see. I could see what it looked like. I didn't know what it felt like because I hadn't gotten to that depth and that vulnerability with myself. Mm. And then again, there was an, an instance of infidelity. I don't like to say that that's what ended the relationship because as you can tell from everything I've just said, there were clearly other issues. <laughs> yeah. But that was my escape route. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm done. Wow. So similar to me. That was literally my escape route. Yeah. When I... I'm, yeah, when I saw what I saw, because I actually happened upon some videos, believe oh, it or not. I happened upon some pictures. Yeah. I felt such a weight lifted off my shoulders. And although I was in shock and I was sort of, you know, in a, in a place of distress, like how could this be happening like in in my own house? I truly felt like a light, like I saw a glimmer of light at the end of this dark tunnel. And I was like, this is a good enough reason to leave. Like that's the story that I told myself is that like I couldn't leave because how do you leave somebody when they're depressed or when things aren't going well in their life? Like I I was like, oh, you don't kind of kick somebody when they're down. That was like the narrative that I was sacrificing my entire life Mm. for to like fit into. And so to hear you say that, that's my escape route. That is exactly where I was. Oh my God, that's crazy how Mm -hmm. similar it was. Yeah, no, same. I didn't I didn't, I, I get the same thing. My parents have been married the, my whole life. So in my head, I was like, you don't leave your partner. You Mm-mm. just put up with everything. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't leave. And so, yeah. And so that was my 100% my, my way of being like, oh, great. Like I had the same thing as you. It's not like, there was a lot that was there that made me feel, I was, I was devastated. Like, of course I was, I felt betrayed. And in my head, I was like, I've moved to the US to be with you. Like I've Mm -hmm. done all these things. Like, how could you do this? But there was definitely a part of me that felt relief. Yeah. If I was like, okay, now we can be on it. Now we can be honest. Now we can be authentic. Now we can really fucking be ourselves. Yeah. You know, and 
And so then, yeah, so then I really <laughs> signed up to your retreat. Like literally a few, I think it was like a week later, I saw this like retreat because I'd realized at that oh, wow. point I was, I was, uh, I had no, I had one friend in LA at the time, but she was constantly backwards and forwards to Texas. It was middle of pandemic. I didn't have any other friends, certainly no sisters. All my friends were were his friends. Mm. So I felt awkward hanging around with them. So I was like, God, oh my God, now I'm alone. I have to like, I had six, I like, I managed to like piece my life together in six months from August of like that year to, um, to January, I was like, oh my God, I have to like get everything like organized mm-hmm. and ordered. And oh my gosh, like now I'm like doing this or whatever. I was like scrambling. And so I obviously made it a point to like, you know, not go on any apps or right. know, um, not date or anything. So in order to really make sure that I was focusing on myself. Absolutely. Because there's no, you know. I think when when something like this happens, you have a choice. You can either blame the person, sort of, we touched on this earlier, or you can look at yourself and say, great, I have a lot of work to do. And I just love that I didn't realize that it was such a close timeline to when you came on the retreat that this all happened. I thought there was like six months in between. Oh, no, it happened in end of August. So like beginning of September. Mm -hmm. And then I heard about your retreat a week later. I signed up to your retreat a week after it happened. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, because it it really is the responsibility is on us. Like at the end of the day, if you want to live a beautiful life, like you are the only person you need to worry about. And as much as we're, it's funny, like we're talking about these men and I've, I've never met your ex and you've never met mine, but I'm sitting here thinking about him and I'm literally sending him love. Same. Like in this moment, like I am sending him so much love because what these guys did in their life had nothing to do with us. No, and you know what's so funny? Of course, this happens because we're so connected. But as you said that, just before you said that, I was like, oh gosh, I hope the listeners don't think that my ex is an a-hole. I I'm that. I'm really good friends with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, we still co-parent our dog. Yeah. We have chats all the time. We're both in different relationships now. Both chat about them. Both talk about how happy we are in our respective relationships. Uh, the week after it ended, he got a therapist and he'd never been to therapy and he had a ton of trauma to work through. Mm-hmm. So he's like now in, you know, you know, it, like he's just doing so well for himself. And wow. I'm, I'm all I can feel is joy. And like, mm-hmm. I'm so like happy for him. Yeah. And we're great friends. We're not meant to be lovers, but we've always, always mm-hmm. been friends. That's one thing I can say consistently over the three and a half years we were together, we were always good friends. I mean, he's a Gemini. I'm an Aquarius. I suppose, you know. My best friend's a Gemini. Yeah. Nicole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're fellow, mm-hmm. they're, those are fellow besties. We should cheers to our former loves and may they be well may and they happy be well. and healthy yeah. and all the things. I'm feeling so lovey-dovey. I told you what would happen. Yes, <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Two glasses of champagne. My cheeks are red and I'm like, I love everybody. <sighs> but I really do. And I, I don't, I'm not in communication with my ex. Unfortunately, I've like tried to reach out over the years and just send love and it hasn't, you know, there's never been an, an opening for that. That's okay. Um, but that's okay because I'm doing what I'm doing and I believe that he feels it anyway. So yeah, that's completely okay. So how I found my current yes, person is there. more interesting. So like I said, I dedicated a whole like couple of months, like, well, I won't even say couple, like more, more than that. I dedicated like a good, like nine months to working on myself. Like mm-hmm. really just like, okay. Like exactly what you said. I didn't sit here and be like, 
how dare he do that? Right. No, I was more disturbed by the fact that I stayed in a place where I was unhappy for so long. Mm-hmm. It's like, what on earth was I doing? Where yeah. does that come from? Also, what value does it bring you to say like, how could this happen to me? Why did he do that? Like zero value. Zero enough. value. Exactly. So, yeah. So then I was like, okay, cool. Um, uh, I, yeah, I decided to work myself from your retreat, got a therapist, got a mm-hmm. coach, everything, got my life in order first anyway, like went from trying to survive to trying to thrive in my general life. And then- Can we like talk about what that means okay. specifically? Yeah. Because I love like what you're saying and we talk about this a lot, but I like want people to hear, what does it actually mean to like work on yourself? Okay, yes. Like, what are the moments that you know you're like, oh, I'm actually processing. I am doing yeah. some like deep inner healing work and I'm going to be changed because of like this practice or whatever, these rituals. Give yeah. us like a little. Um, so for me that showed up with um, – just really prioritizing anything that had to do with my healing. Mm. So anything that, first of all, was like really listening deeply to my intuition. Mm -hmm. So like your retreat was a fuck yes. I wasn't making any money by that time. I scrambled to get the money together to go to your retreat, but I just knew I had to. Mm -hmm. I knew I had to. I was like, I don't care how I like, I'll do anything to come to Mm -hmm. this. So, you know, and, um, and prioritizing all the things that, you know, maybe you know, or maybe you don't know anything that sounds like, oh yes, like anything that you intuitively feel like can be towards your growth. So it can be, you know, anything to do with anything somatic. So any sort of sound healing, any sort of, Mm. um, EFT tapping, any sort of talk therapy, Mm -hmm. coaching, medicine ceremony, medicine, Mm -hmm. yeah, medicinal ceremonies, anything like that that just really called to me was when I was like, okay, like, yes. Like Mm -hmm. I just prioritized that. I prioritized anything that I knew that would directly contribute to my healing. Yes. Um, and, and then also on a practical level, it was okay. Making like, I luckily a month, two month, two months after, um, the breakup, I got my, um, ability to work in the United States. Mm -hmm. So then I could, you know, I practically, I like worked on several different social justice projects, which is what I do. I could properly build out my coaching mm-hmm. practice here. I could like suddenly just like really put my two feet on the ground. Like it was also a very grounding exercise too. And then once I prioritized that, I started the dating process mm-hmm. and it was very interesting. And I, I went into it with curiosity because I was like, wow, I felt a bit like a newborn person. Mm. I was like, what do I like? Like, let's explore. And for sure, like very interesting, different things came up and, it was very clear. I knew who I was and I knew what I liked, but <laughs> champagne. But I was just so trying good. to piece everything together. And some people I was like, yes, like that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And other people I was like, absolutely no way. And yeah. you know, it was it was just a very interesting time. And I realized dating now as to before, like I was so able, I was able to create such great boundaries as well. Mm. And I could just tell it wasn't just like, oh, you like me? Okay, this makes sense. I was like, no. This is not what I want. And even though this person likes me, it's not what I want. Right. No, 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 whatever. Funnily enough, I met my my soulmate in January, in, in the January in January of this year. And we connected and it was great. And oh sorry, of last year, whatever, sorry. And um we had a beautiful connection. It was great. I really liked him. I was terrified. 
Mm. I was terrified because I knew this was it. Really? I wasn't ready. Were you just like, I am so into myself right now for the first time. I'm actually yes. into myself in this way. And I told him that on our first date. Mm. We went hiking and I was like, I shouldn't really be on this day. I'm currently working on myself and I'm not ready yet today. You said that? Yeah, on the first day. I was wow. like, and he was like, okay. And he was very vulnerable with me. I was very vulnerable with him. Again, he, I was with a man who was very vulnerable with me and I was terrified. I was like, why is he so vulnerable? With me? That's, he was like <laughs> spilling stuff out to me. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Like what, what was he sharing? He was just sharing a lot about his past, about how, you know, a lot of his vulnerabilities around like growing up in an orphanage mm -hmm. and like um, uh, through his like uh, struggles with addiction. Both of these, I asked for his consent before doing this podcast, by the way, just so everyone is clear. Mm -hmm. But all of that, all like I, I um, you know, he was very, very vulnerable in that share, not on the first date, but on the second date. Because I liked him so much and I thought he was so good looking. And I was like, I have he to go to second. He is so good looking. <laughs> you thought it. We thought it. Everybody knows it. He's he is very good looking. Yes. He's a very like societally like standard, very beautiful man. And if so you I, like Greek gods. Yeah. If you happen to like Greek gods, <laughs> I mean, you'll fancy him. Yeah. So it was fantastic. Our second date and went really well. And, but I got too scared. I'm going to be very honest. I'd be like, I got scared. I didn't understand what this was. I'd also remember I'd had a history of emotionally unavailable men. To have a man that's emotionally available, emotionally available, terrified me. Yes. I was like, absolutely no way in it. I also just knew it wasn't the right time. There was mm -hmm. something screaming at me, wrong time, wrong time. And I'm so glad I ended it when I did. Mm. I'm so glad because we found ourselves back together purely through purely through a, an intuitive, like magic message. Like six months later, I went through this big spiritual awakening. Well, actually I should say in June, I wrote down everything I wanted in a man. July, I went through this big spiritual awakening and I was like, I need to text him. I need to text this man. And, and my brain was like, why? Why are you texting him? You don't even like him. But my gut <laughs> and my intuition was like, text him. And then it was like, see him. And then it was like, and then we got, and now we're like madly in love and yeah. like in such a beautiful relationship. And I just know, again, my intuition is like, no, I have such a gut feeling, which I trust so much now. He's my person. Mm. I'm so in love and I'm so happy. And it is, it's, listen, it's not, I'm sure you have this too. It's not easy to get what you wish for. You no. still have to do the work. Well, because you're getting what you actually need through the person that when you meet, it's all sunshine and roses because, okay. you know, the, the subconscious mind needs a strong attraction. Mm -hmm. But what the soul really wants is to work out all of its kinks and all of its karma in this like human body. And so we have this deep attraction and connection to this person that will then trigger <laughs> once we're settled in and we're like, great, this is my person. I'm here. I'm committed. And then the work begins. Then the real work begins because you're truly brought together to work out every single thing from, you know, childhood trauma, from ancestral trauma with this person because they're your partner. They're like your equal match to press every button perfectly. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Mm -hmm. It's wild. It's like a sick joke. Yeah. That's actually really nice at the same time because- You've done the work enough to recognize it, right? When me, me and my partner, I'm sure you have the same. When we have an argument, or I wouldn't even say we hardly ever argue. When we have a disagreement, it's like there's us, and then there's us recognizing that it's our trauma bond, and then it's us recognize. You know, it's mm -hmm. like it's not just like 
before my arguments were like, well, you did this and Mm -hmm. you did that. And nowadays it's very much like, thank you for sharing that. I receive what you said. This has affected me in this way because of this particular trauma that happened at this particular time Mm -hmm. or this particular issue that I'm still working through. Can you be patient with me working through it? Right. So different. Because you trigger the fuck out of me. No, just kidding. (laughs) I mean, we can say that. But no, I I love how you put that. And I want to sort of tie some things up here because in this, you know, in our chat, we've been talking about like our trauma bonds and our attachment styles. And um, I first learned about attachment styles in a book called Polysecure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure where else they show up and I'm sure you can find other other literature on them. But if you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, and you're interested in non-monogamy, that's an excellent resource. Um, but you can look up attachment styles and you will you will sort of find very quickly what yours is. There's probably an online quiz. Oh, there is an online okay. quiz. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. link it in the show. Yeah. Because I think yeah. some people are like, what, what is this like a, you know, trauma bond? What is this attachment style? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's so true when you, everyone thinks like, oh, I'll meet the one and then I can rest. And it's like, this is a <laughs> journey. And, and once you sort of acknowledge that and realize for yourself that the work is so worth it. And it's actually so much fun to step into this place of like responsibility and how can I grow? Then you can have the most incredible relationship with your person. Um, because what I see happens a lot is like people will get into these beautiful relationships with their person and then want to quit because the, the triggering is too much. And that's why it's so important to either be in therapy and yeah. stay doing the work. Like even after you find the person doesn't mean you stop doing the sound healings or you stop doing the tapping or stop working with a relationship coach if, if you know that's what you're doing. It's like it's a constant evolution and yep. it's the best place you can be like – the, the best place you can focus on is yourself and your love. Yeah, and just that deep, deep understanding. Mm. You know, and that deep compassion for yourself, right? It's like comes from that place of like, well, you know, this, this, this is, this is why I'm at. This is how I feel. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I'll get over it because yes, it can be such a joy to be in the growth. It can also be really scary because mm-hmm. your ego has to let a lot go. Absolutely. And that's unconditional love. That's that is unconditional love. Yeah. And you can really only love someone as deeply as you love yourself. And so I think like the journey of this episode has been love yourself. And if you don't know how to do that, you must not be in a place where you're dating or you're going to attract the wrong person. I'm going to shore this up in like captions, but, you know, really find yourself in a place of deep healing, of gratitude for your journey and your experiences because you are exactly where you're supposed to be all the time, right place, right time for your growth. And once you learn that deep compassionate acceptance of self, you can focus outwards and you can give that to a partner. And it's only then that you will attract your soulmate. A hundred percent. It's always about putting yourself and meeting yourself in that, in those vulnerability depths, that depth of vulnerability, that depth of love that you can have for yourself is the only way you're going to be able to like have that with someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is what also, can I just say, I'm so excited about the love code is that yes, a lot of it is virtual, but we have a whole weekend retreat. Yes. Where we will literally, this is another thing that makes it so unique. We will go through with you and go through 
tapping and breath work and Reiki to really make these like huge energy shifts Mm -hmm. that you need to become that magnetic attraction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this course, I'm so excited for it because we're going to be taking women through a program that really allows them to look at every part of their lives and to examine and explore themselves in a way that has them become the one. They're not looking for the one. They are the one. And then their mate, whether it be man, whether it be woman, whoever, Whoever. whatever gorgeous god or goddess is going to walk into their lives will be so aligned because they will be vibrating so high. You guys, you will be in a place where you're radiating love and that's what you'll attract. Consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so stoked. I'm so happy that we decided to do the in-person retreat. I'm so excited. I think that's going to make a real difference. And that's what makes it extremely unique because, you know, it's not just all about virtual stuff. There needs to be some stuff in person too. Yeah. Real connection really can't be, can't be matched. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, The love code is what opening in February. Um, I think it opened. Do we know the exact date? It's already open. Well, no, you can, it's launched, but we're starting. Oh, we're starting February 17th or 19th. We One should. of the two. I'm drunk. <laughs> Cheers to whatever day the love code 17th starts. 17th or 19th. I get confused with numbers. I think it's February the 17th. It, it'll it be, uh, It's that's when it starts. And we're going to take you on a catapult. Clear messaging here on Open Late Podcast. This has been so much fun. So much fun. Happy birthday, bitch. Thank you. I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, we're going to sing happy birthday. (laughs) I just feel very loved and grateful right now. So fulfilled with love. I also want to say that Jess and I don't drink. And this is why we're really drunk (laughs) drunk after one and a half glasses of champagne. I also don't eat sugar. So I'm like lovey-dovey and I'm high. (laughs) Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Maria Luisa. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. What a beautiful voice. You're welcome. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. This has been a Soul Fire production. You guys, leave us a rating. We got drunk for you. (laughs) 